Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the GovCon world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about how to categorize all of the acquisition type choices that the government has when putting together their acquisition strategy. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Check it out at skywayacq.com. Let's get started. One of the best things about being an entrepreneur is that we get to create our own path. So the good news is that there are a million options. But the bad news is that there are a million options. It's just too many choices. You can start any kind of company you want. Yeah, you got to pick things, right? So I wrote a blog post uh, for our Skyway community members. It was called Over Choice. And it was about having so many choices, not about being an entrepreneur, but about having, having so many choices in the tasks of the contracting process. So it creates its own distraction because you have so many options. I read a story about a study they performed about options in, in buying and selling, and they tested it like in a supermarket by giving out food samples. And if you put out 20, people froze up and didn't stop. Yeah. But if you put out three, they would stop they and t- take yeah. a sample, right? And th- yeah. Anyway, the objective of this episode is not to talk about that. The objective is to kind of categorize the different types of government acquisitions that that cover the vast majority of the way the government awards contracts. Before we get into that, or I even explain more about what the heck I mean, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to John David Duvall. John David is an advisory director at KPMG uh, US. He's in the Orlando, Florida area. I want to thank John David for liking and sharing our new micro learning program uh, where our listeners can use the Contracting Officer podcast episodes to get training credits. It's a new idea and we're just now getting it off the ground and having longtime listeners like John David support our micro learning program means a lot to us because it's the next evolution of our podcast. Thanks, John David. All right, back to too many options. This came from, like I mentioned, the term overchoice that actually was first coined by Alvin Toffler in, in a book written like back in 1970 called Future Shock. So let's fast forward, what, 51 years. <laughs> and Toffler's point was not about government contracting, but it rings true just the same for this, this topic of there's so many choices. The FAR has grown since it was first issued, since it replaced the last smaller, lighter book of government acquisition regulations. And with it, the, the number of different approved ways to buy things has grown. The, the federal rules, you know, i.e. the FAR, and all the supplements, where we do episodes about there's a supplement for pretty much every agency, they have a seemingly limitless combination of ways that the government can buy products and services. And on top of that, we now have added other transaction authority, which is a whole different podcast episode or series of them. On the other side, there's likewise a correspondingly complex number of ways to sell to the government, depending on what, when, where, how, and how much the the government is going to buy from you and whom the government tends to buy from. We're going to try to categorize the acquisition types for you into, into four different groups, and we're calling them transactional, organizational, enterprise, and the big ones, which is kind of (laughs) self-explanatory. The first broad category of government procurement strategies, options, are, are transactional. In, in these, the sales cycle is short, sometimes very short. The value on these tends to be under $100,000. You might buy about, these with a government credit card. You might 
do a combined synopsis solicitation. Uh, the GSA orders are, are very simple to do this way, purchase orders. What we're talking about is a situation where you say, I want to buy something and you can pretty much, boom, buy it right there. Most of my experience and, and a lot of our content and, and even my book specifically focuses on contracts worth over $100,000. So you and I, we didn't live in this space a lot. Good news is some of our other former contracting officers on the Skyway team, like Shelly and Charlie and Troy and Kim, they have experience with this type of contracts, these transactional contract actions. The next broad grouping are what we're calling organizational transactions. This is not, I'm going to buy this on a, on a credit card and buy something for me or for my office. This is the next size up. This is kind of a whole organization. So as you can imagine, they're probably a little bigger, a, a few more dollars involved here. Sometimes selling to the government it is like selling to small companies. I mean, there's less oversight. There were a few approvals and there's rapid implementation you deal, because you're dealing with a smaller organization. The value on these, we're talking a few million dollars, depending on what you're actually buying. And that's a, a broad characterization of, of the value, which is all we're trying to do here. Organizational transactions take more than just, I'm going to buy this with my credit card. This, this is a big purchase. I, it's more like instead of ordering something on Amazon, it's like buying a car and going to a car dealership and negotiating a deal, right? So it's, it's a little harder. Examples for this would be simplified acquisition procedures, uh, including under FAR 13.5, which allows for commercial items up to, I believe, seven and a half million. And then FAR Part 15, direct source, 8A contracts, IDIQs, and of course, other transaction authorities where you, where you start to use uh, other transaction authorities here as well. Yeah, IDIQ is indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. And this is where the, the terms of the acquisition are, are set up in advance, but then you place orders against that or compete ag against that. Yes, we have a whole series of podcast episodes about that. This type of acquisition tends to feel like a business-to-business -business sale with notable and critical exceptions. We talked about some of those in the Stages of GovCon sale episode, which was uh, number 318. Namely, the, the rules and regulations that kick in once the contract value exceeds the simplified, simplified acquisition procedures threshold, which is currently $250,000. So you get over $250,000, there are some new rules that kick in. Right. If you're under the simplified acquisition threshold, awards are specifically set aside for small businesses. Once you get over that, you compete with a lot more uh, sophisticated competitors. The way you compete might be different over the threshold. You may need to submit a full proposal instead of a quote, right? Things get a little more complex as the dollars go up. They don't have to, but they can. And the requirement to post the solicitation is broader. For example, under simplified acquisition procedures, they don't necessarily, the government doesn't necessarily have to post the requirement in beta.sam.gov, soon to be just sam.gov. Right. Whereas over 250,000, Again, not always, but the rules are different. So the, the process to win changed. Next, we get to even bigger acquisitions, larger acquisitions. We'll call these enterprise acquisitions. This isn't just for you. This isn't just for your organization. This might be for a whole department. This might be something that the entire Air Force uses, which I always default to because that's where I started working 
<laughs> could be any agency or department, not just the Air Force. Usually these have more than seven digits in value. They, they tend to be bigger. They also can feel, feel like business-to-business sale to a large organization. But again, they're bigger. They have longer processes. And, and we talked about this in, in the episode about the, the, what a complex sale. And what makes a complex sale like this at the enterprise level is that there are more people involved and there are just more steps. It's just more complexity in getting to contract yeah. award. Going back to the car sales example, a transaction, you know, something you might buy with a credit card. And then the next step up, the organizational, is like maybe buying a car for yourself. An enterprise situation would be where you're buying a fleet of cars for everybody you know. You're, you're negotiating a deal to buy a car for all of your friends and family, right? That is much more complex. And you, you might need some help. You you're probably not just dealing with the salesman at the dealership. Right. The contract's going to be uh, significantly different. You'll see these implemented under FAR Part 15, again, under large indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contracts, um, and multiple award versions, which is FAR 16.5 in particular. And of course, other transaction authority. It's, this is the place where you might see that a lot. And, and this can feel like selling to a large publicly, tra- if you're in the, on, the, on the business side, right? This can feel like selling to a large publicly traded, like a Fortune 100 company, where they've got embedded processes, they've got stovepiped uh, capabilities and organizational elements, and they've got a fiduciary protection process where they want to make sure the money's not just flowing out. Well, the government's the same way. We've got a process for this. And so you may have organization-specific rules, and a lot of large organizations have that. Yeah. Big companies like that have enough market power to set the rules just like the government can, right? If you don't want to play by their rules and how they want to buy and what they want to buy, fine. It's a big enough acquisition. There's enough money involved that somebody else will. So they don't they don't really need you as much as you need them. That's kind of how it starts to flip around, right? Yeah, think of this like if, if uh, one of my friends actually made signs for Disney at Disney World. Well, imagine Disney World says, make the signs like this, use this process. Because, like to your point, Disney has the market power to say, "We'll find somebody to make signs." <laughs> You're going to go by our. No, rule. I make my signs this way, Disney. I'm not going to do that. All right. Well, this company will buy. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty easy. All right. The last grouping of acquisitions we'll talk about. You know, again, transactional, organizational, enterprise. Then there's the big ones. These are beyond anything you can imagine as an enterprise competition. And sometimes, just sometimes, <laughs> selling to the government at this level is more complicated than all of the other three types combined. I mean, I could relate each of those three types to, well, you related it to, to a fleet of cars versus an individual car. These are billion-dollar acquisitions. This is like buy, This is like buying an auto company to, yeah, to build you your own yeah. cars. <laughs> build your own custom cars for your friends. I mean, it's just not something that happens very often. Right. And, and these are almost all done under FAR Part 15, although I bet if we look hard enough, we probably find one that's done under other tr- transaction authority. Right. Yeah, we're talking billions of dollars in one acquisition here. It, these are the ones that take years to develop and compete and award and then execute. They are uniquely long. You know, they're detail heavy. They, they've got a process behind them. You're going to have all kinds of Gantt charts. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the contractor has to navigate this quagmire of rules and structures, Okay. These are the ones that feel like they're uniquely government sales. Yeah. For the big ones, the government's probably buying things that only the government buys. 
particularly at the scale the government buys. Yeah. The thing is that the fear of this type of these big ones is what often scares people out of the government market altogether. Because these are the ones when you Google government contracts, they, they're big. They're on the news. Yeah, this is what people think of, like, like, oh, it's all this complex. It's not all this complex. The vast majority of transactions are pretty simple and fall in the the, the in that transactional or maybe organizational level of acquisition. The competitors for these big ones, they're often referred to as government primes or or the primes, and you've heard of these companies in the aerospace world. You know, Boeing, Lockheed, Northrop Grumman. Kellogg, Brown and Root, government contractor, giant company. In most cases, these companies don't do any commercial business at all. Their products and services are only purchased by the government. And if they do any commercial business, it's, it's a separate division. The reason is that to compete at this level and to execute at this level with all of the government oversight that, that comes with spending billions of dollars on you, these companies have created organizations and internal policies and procedures that are optimized for government acquisitions, government regulations, and performance on government contracts. And that makes them less or even non-competitive in the commercial market. It's really hard to go from being a government contractor to commercial for those reasons you just talked about. Although you will see large businesses go from commercial and then start doing some of government work. Yeah. Because they can add a division and tweak it. Like Amazon yeah. starting to yeah. sell to the government. Yeah, a lot of times they stand up a separate division that is their government division so that they don't saddle their commercial division with all of the rules and regulations, policies, procedures, compliance things that it takes to be a government contractor. Going after the big ones. Going <laughs> that's, after that's the, the key big factor ones. Here. Right. Right. You don't need all of that for transactional government sales. From talking to our listeners over the years. The majority of you tend to fall into type two, which is the organizational, and type three, which is the enterprise. That's that's where the bulk of, of the work is. And that's probably most of what we talk about. We touch on the transactional and the big ones, but but most most of the complex things that we try to simplify here are in the organizational and, and enterprise type acquisitions. It's really easy to get lost in all of the options of how the government could buy or should buy and ultimately would buy a product or service. For what you sell, there's probably not that many different ways that the government might use. Unless you sell a, a incredibly broad array of things uh, at, at different scales. I got distracted, Kevin. I forgot to talk about the acquisition and execution time zones. We're talking acquisition time zones. This is the market research zone. This Everything we're talking about here is, is how the, the government should be deciding how to match their acquisition strategy to the acquisition at hand. That's that's a market research zone before any any contracts are signed or work is being done. If you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode number three. All right. Specifically on the government side. Understanding what type of acquisition the seller thinks the government will use will save a lot of time and frustration and, and frankly, give you a higher probability of mission success. So, for example, the government puts out a requirement as a government-wide acquisition contract under a multiple award contract, which is the enterprise. That's an enterprise-type action. But they thought, industry thought, that it was going to come out as an 8 sole source, just like it did last time, and that would be an organizational-level contract. Yeah, people are wasting time there. Yeah, exactly. Or if it's a full and open competition, which, again, that's, that's enterprise, and they thought it was going to be a down-select under FAR Part 12, using FAR 13.5, which I mentioned before, 
which again, that's an organizational level contract. So yeah. they're, they're uh, not aligned. You could have full and open under organizational type too, but you're clearly not communicating well if if industry is not aware of exactly how you're going to do it. And, and last one is if you're buying this with a purchase order, but last time it was bought on the NASA soup contract. Which is an like IDAQ, I think. Correct. That's, yeah, that's a government-wide, actually, it's a, it's a large IDIQ that any agency can use. Yeah. But the, the overall theme here is that if you did it like we did it last time, that's usually what industry is going to be expecting. And that misalignment creates a lot of frustration. Yeah. Because yeah. if they don't find out until the RFP drops or the solicitation drops, they're going to be frustrated. Yeah, the more context offers have on what acquisition type you're using, the more quickly they're able to self-eliminate if, if it doesn't fit the way that what they sell and how they sell, and the more effectively you can run your acquisition. Fewer offers from qualified offerors. Don't just get stuck in a rut and try to buy everything the way it was done last time using the same procedures. That's human nature. I get it. I did it too. I did it. <laughs> the acquisition strategy has to be appropriate for this buy, not the last one. It might be the same. Just don't take it for granted. I'm going to take over, Kevin, you're, you're usually the quote guy, but my quote for the day, everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. That, I think that quote applies here. And it's been attributed to Einstein, may or may not. I, he might have said that. I'm sure others have said it as That's well. That's like something he would say. I'll wrap up by focusing on the industry side. Understanding what type the buyer will use is one of your qualification tools. You can choose to bid only on the opportunities that use the type that you're most likely to win, or better yet, shape opportunities towards the acquisition types that give you a better chance to win. What type could they use? Well, know the options. If you know the government regulations as well as they do, you can help them pick the strategy that works for you. What type should they use? You're targeting, they, right? Yeah, they should use the one that helps you win, at least in your opinion. Your competitor might have a different opinion on that. Which type would they use? That's where looking at the patterns. Look at what they've done in the past. Is there a path of least resistance that makes it easy for them to award to you versus someone else? Look for that context. Somebody has it. Ask the questions. And read the tea leaves if you have to by looking through the documentation that's in front of you. And by the way, Skyway can help with that. That's what we do. All right. With that, Kevin, I'll talk to you later. All right. I'll see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for today. If you enjoy the Contracting Officer Podcast and are ready to begin your relationship with Skyway's team of former contracting officers to help you understand and win in the GovCon world, go to skywayacq.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Sometimes selling to the government is like smelling. Smelling? <laughs> What's it smell like, Kevin? It's a whole different podcast topic there. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> That's funny.